0: Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. Praise God for the worship team. That was uh, very filling. It's an honor to be able to be together and to worship God, isn't it? Um, well good morning my name is Garrett Bowman for those of you I haven't had the opportunity to meet yet Um, I'm feeling good it's hot outside I got my sandals on while I'm preaching trying to get in touch with Jesus thank you thank you Um, yeah yeah that's right that's right Um, I'm excited as we go into a new series this week on um, what I'm what we're calling focus There's a lot of things in this world, I'm sure you would agree, that try to distract our focus. Um, And focus is important in a lot of ways. Whenever you're thinking about your job, your family, um, your schedule, whatever it is, when you're cooking in the kitchen, um, you gotta have focus. Otherwise, things don't go the way they're supposed to, right? Um, And so we're gonna talk over the next three weeks of what focus looks like for us as believers. Um, And it's gonna have three parts, focus upward, on God, focus inward on ourselves, and focus outward on others. Um, And that's inspired a little bit from our friends at Transformation, but we decided to take that beautiful um, message that God gave them, and we really feel like it'll help equip us as well um, as believers. So um, we're just going to enter into a time of talking about what focus is and what it looks like as believers to focus. Um, Before I dive in, I want to pray and just ask God to both settle our hearts and um, open our eyes to what he has for us today. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time that you've given us to be together. Um, Thank you for another Sunday where the people in this room made it here safely throughout this past week. And God, we pray for that safety and security in you to continue in the week to come and beyond. Um, We pray for those that couldn't be with us this morning, Lord. And um, some of those names remain unspoken, but God, we know that they are your children and that you desire for them to know you. Um, so, God, give healing where it's needed and boldness where it's needed for believers. And let us fall on our knees praising you as the one Lord and Savior of our lives. Um, let us learn a little bit more about you today. Um, and as we go out this week, um, bring our hearts joy and let us rest in your love and your grace. And We pray that in your heavenly name. Amen. 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 All right. so. To introduce focus, I want to try to use a little bit of an illustration that I'm pretty familiar with, um, but you guys may not be, some of you will be, um, but it's in photography. Um, Some of you don't know this about me, but I went to school for fine arts whenever I was in college. I was a photography and drawing major, um, mainly because like a sit-down classroom where I got to like listen to a teacher, it doesn't do too well for me. And so I married a teacher so I could say that I cared enough about school. You know, it's was like, that works, right? Because um, I'm not a great student. I'm, I just prefer to get up and moving and, and drawing and taking pictures. And so one of the things that we had to learn about in photography was something called aperture. And aperture is a fancy word for the amount of light that a camera lens lets in the camera to produce a photo. Photography is amazing, mainly because a man learned how to capture light and that light produced what we see because of how it reacted to the the film it doesn't make a lot of sense but whenever you take a picture the camera doesn't actually see what we see it doesn't have an eye its eye is this little hole that just opens like this real quick and depending on how your aperture is set controls how wide or how quick that hole opens and so if you don't have a high aperture, your photo will just go like this and it'll be a little darker. If you have a long aperture, it'll go like this and it'll let a lot of light in. And so that's why you see some of those like older cameras would take really washed out photos. That's because too much light got through the lens. So what we want to keep in mind as we go throughout this message of focus is that our hearts, in the same way that a camera lens has an aperture, must also have focus and an aperture to let light in, okay? And it'll make sense later, but the big thing is that aperture is the control of how much light we let in to our hearts, okay? So, today we're going to be in the book of John, chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, Um, and what I want to do before we go into today's specific um, message on focusing upward is kind of introduce All three of the focuses that we'll be talking about this week and I think that this story in Scripture will help us kind of understand the importance and the differences in what each of those focuses mean Um, so John 8 verse 1 through 11 I'm going to read it for us and then we'll go into it verse 1 says Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives but early the next morning he was back again at the temple A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them as he was speaking the teachers of religious law and the pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery they put her in front of the crowd teacher they said to jesus this woman was caught in the act of adultery the law of moses says to stone her what do you say they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him but jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, "'Neither do I. Go and sin no more.'" And so what happens in this story is pretty incredible, where we've got a woman who has fallen into sin. She's been caught in her sin by these guys that study the law day by day, and they they take her to Jesus in an effort to get Jesus to answer in his flesh rather than in the Spirit. Jesus, being a compassionate individual who's claiming that he's the Son of God, has been challenged by these religious groups they're trying to find his flaw so that they can kill him because they don't believe that he's the messiah and jesus time and time again proves that he's the messiah and that he's in tune with the spirit in the way that he heals people in the way that he forgives sins and in his character and this is one of those instances where we see his character but there's three parts to this that stood out to me and and it's amazing whenever you're preparing a message because sometimes you don't know exactly where you're going to go and then you'll go somewhere just to kind of get inspiration and God will say there it is and then it's like oh okay well that worked out didn't it thank you God um, and this was one of those instances I was in bed at like 11 30 and I was like I don't know what scripture I'm going to use to and and this came up and I wasn't even looking at this scripture until I did and then it happened so there's three main things that happen here that illustrate focus and uh, I hope you're inspired by them because it definitely stood out to me. The first is that these teachers of the religious law and Pharisees in verse 3, as they're bringing this woman to Jesus, have this outward focus. They are looking at the sins of those around them. And it is helping them ignore what they're doing or not doing. And so their focus outward has led them to take this woman before Jesus and say, she is a sinner we must condemn her well the woman comes to Jesus and she doesn't say much from what we see but she stands there and she seems to be in a posture where she has accepted this punishment of being caught in her sin and being stoned so she stands or kneels next to Jesus and she has an inward focus on her sin on her shortcomings but Jesus as he answers their request has an upward focus. And instead of condemning her actions or even condemning those around her, he teaches, but he lifts their eyes to God and says, sin no more. I will not condemn you. And it's important that we notice where Jesus' focus is. Because as we go throughout these next three weeks, we're going to talk about upward inward and outward focus but the primary focus for all of us has to always default back to upward we have to root ourselves in focusing on god because the minute that we start to look at ourselves for power and energy or those around us we will fall short we'll stumble we'll hurt each other we'll hurt ourselves but our focus on god will always root us in a healthy place to then go and share his love to others and what do we do whenever we do that we direct their eyes where upward because if at any point they're looking at us guess what we're gonna, we're gonna hurt them we know that's true we've hurt people in our lives something some of us have been hurt by people we've looked at as God but God desires our focus to be on him and so it's very amazing how Jesus one by one steers their focus on him and so As we look at what it means to look upward, there's a few examples in Scripture that will help us kind of understand what that means. And um, We don't have them on the slides or anything, and I honestly, I didn't even bookmark my Bible, so it's going to be like one of those flipping competitions that they used to do in elementary school, like, go! Um, But we'll get there. Um, It's worth it to flip, because then we'll be be in the Word. Um, But I wanted to take a minute to kind of explain where focusing on God was impactful in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, In the Old Testament the big example that jumped out at me was in um, the wilderness whenever the Israelites were Freed from slavery in Egypt they're wandering in the wilderness looking toward going to the promised land and God takes Place in this cloud up above them and they follow the cloud by day And then they follow a pillar by fire at night so that they can see where they're going and know at all times who they're following so if they're looking here they're not seeing where they're supposed to be going. If they're looking here, they're not seeing where they're supposed to be going. Only when they're looking upward to God's direction for their lives do they know how to get to the promised land. Pretty cool. Um, Another thing that happens shortly after that kind of counters that focus. In Exodus 13, 21 through 22, they immediately, after they are given that guidance through the pillar of cloud, or the pillar of fire and the cloud by day, they doubt God's provision for their lives because they see the Egyptians, and God tells Moses to tell them, and Moses tells them, Pharaoh is going to have a hardened heart, and he's going to send the Egyptians to come back to get you and put you back into slavery. God told them this. They're hearing this from God through Moses. And then the next day, whenever they see the Egyptians coming over the hill, they're like, did you bring us out here because there's not enough graves in Egypt? so that we can die out here? They know what's gonna happen. God's already said, I'm gonna defeat them so that you can be freed from them. But they doubt, why? Because they stopped looking here and they saw the army coming up over the hill. Their focus was blurred. They took their focus off of God and looked at their own means, their own ability. And that doubt followed. So much so that they begged to be back in slavery with the Egyptians. Another thing that happened is that as they're walking through the wilderness, God gives them food through this stuff called manna. It comes from the sky, and it has an endless supply. They will always be able to eat to a sufficient amount if they just are trusting that God will provide that manna. But as they get tired of the taste of manna, they start to complain. Did you bring us out here to die? There's no food. Take us back to Egypt where we're enslaved. At least there we get food. But this stuff that's fallen from the sky is sufficient for them. They just need to trust. And so that doubt follows, all because of hunger. And then lastly, they were pleased whenever they got to the hill where they're going to walk into the promised land. God says, go over. And they're like, well, we'll send some spies to make sure it's safe. And they go over and they see these giant people and a little bit of fruit and then they doubt. You guys are familiar with that story and they don't go into the promised land. Why? Because they saw the size of the people that God put before them, even though he already took out a bunch of other colonies and powers before then. But it's easy to doubt, isn't it? Whenever we take our eyes off of God's promises. I'd love to sit back and say, these guys are foolish. How could they doubt? If an army ran over a hill at me, I think I'd probably quiver in my boots a little bit. But if I'm rooted in God's promises and he's told me he'll defeat that army, why should I fear? And in the same way, their leaders, Moses and Aaron and so on, had the faith in Christ that he was about his promises. And Moses, time and time again in the Old Testament, prayed on their behalf, pleading with God to not destroy those people, but instead, let them be his people as he promised. And in the New Testament... It takes a little bit of a shift at this point jesus is on the earth and we know so in the old testament whenever we want to be good before the father we do what we sacrifice animals we do tithing a specific way there's a lot of laws that go into being honoring to god but in the new testament that honor falls in jesus christ and jesus in the book of john verse 12 of chapter 8 which is right after what we read earlier It says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And so instead of looking up for this pillar of fire, or this cloud, Jesus walks with his people. He says, come walk with me. Let me show you the love that I have for you. Let me show you how to live an honoring life for me. Let me show you how to acknowledge your sin, but put your eyes on me. And in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 23, Jesus is walking on water. And Peter says, Lord, if that's you, let me walk with you. And Jesus says, come on, walk on the water with me. And Peter's walking out, and he's walking out. He's doing a good job. But it says he noticed the wind and the waves, and he began to sink. Why? Why? Because instead of looking at Jesus, he looked at the storm around him. Time and time again, we're given examples in scripture of where people's focus went from Jesus and God's will for them to their surroundings and their inside hurt and pain, their past, their present, their worry of the future. And in the moments where they distracted their focus, they began to doubt. It's so important to align our focus on our savior. So important. I'd even say it's that important that where your focus is, your faith is. And let that challenge you cuz Lord knows it challenged me this week. Where is my focus? Am I focusing on my ability, on my work schedule, and my Am I focusing on my identity in this job in ministry? Am I focusing on my friends, my family? Or is my primary focus on Jesus Christ? Because if my focus stays on Jesus, my faith too will be in Jesus. But Lord, help me if it's anywhere else. Because if it is, and my faith is on anything but God, I got a lot of hurt coming and it's going to impact the world around me in a way that I can't even see. And so I would challenge us today to ask the question of where your focus is. And it may be, I don't know how long I've been up here to be honest with you, time flies when you've got a mic in your hand, but I'm wrapping up already so some of you might have early lunch. Um, but I can't help but think about light. Light is another one of those things that, that God uses so often in Scripture to illustrate His character and who He is and who we are in Him. And a little illustration that I hope will help us understand the importance of light um, comes in whenever we say that we are the light of the world through Jesus Christ. That we shine in the darkness. We don't hide. What's that old song? Hide it under a bushel. No. That's right. That's it. That's um, it. I'm not going to sing anymore up here, don't worry. Um, But when we're born, we've got, just imagine you've got this bulb inside of you. It's inactive, but it's there. And when we come to accept Christ, and he claims us as his own, calls us his child, that bulb gets light, it gets power, it begins to shine. Well, no matter how much I try, how much I work, how hard I study God's word, how much I pray, that light's only going to get so bright and I'm human so some days it'll be a little dimmer than others but if I'm shining and I've got Maddie next to me and she's aligned with her focus on Christ and she's shining that light just got brighter right and now if me and Maddie are walking next to another couple and they're aligned and they want to see God glorified and they're shining, that light just doubled. How important is it for us to be next to people that have their focus on Christ? Your light, you go out into this battlefield out here by yourself and try to shine in a dark place, it can be hard. I've seen people do it, but it's hard. It comes with a, with a high cost. But if you go out with a crew that's got your back and you've prayed together, you've renewed that light in you, you've focused your eyes on that light, makes it a lot easier to go and love this community, to lay yourself to the side and lift Christ high. Because heaven forbid you go out there by yourself and you think it's because you did it. You know? I mean, that's not it. It's the light in you, and that only comes from Christ. and so. To God be the glory that we've been given a community to come together and to shine together. I mean, let Christ be magnified through that light. It's not about us. We say it every week. We, I love this place. I love these people. But God will be glorified if one day this room is empty and everybody has been sent out to empower others. To be students of the word and followers of Christ. To God be the glory. We're not attached to these walls. We love being in here with this family. But this church could end tomorrow, and we've got to be in a rested enough place in Christ that we know our mission is to turn around and find another body to love on and empower. Is that not right? And I hope that God doesn't call us into that selfishly, because I love you guys, and I have a lot of fun hanging out with you. Uh, Jonathan and I cut up a lot this weekend. It was a blast. But we have to be aligned enough to know our purpose, and that's to take that light that comes from focusing on Christ and to share it with others so that they too can have that light in them. So I've got a few things that I'm going to challenge us with as we go out this week. Um, And as we look forward to next week, and Paul will bring the word on what it means to focus inward. The first is, I want to encourage you guys to set the aperture of your heart. And what does that mean? As you spend time in god's word as you prepare to come to church on sunday as you prepare to be in life groups throughout the week whatever it is you do to get filled up by god and to focus on him let your heart's aperture be wide open for god i mean wide open i have a bad bad habit of trying to just get a little quick flash of god in my day well if i can just check off my quiet time i'm good But my days, on my best days, it's the days that I'm focusing on God throughout the day. And I see him in everything he's called me to that day. I see him in everything that comes up. I pray to him that he would be in everything that happens. But on the days that I set him in this little section right here, and it's a quick little light, I'm tired. I'm frustrated. Doesn't matter how good the morning started. If my focus is not on Christ, my flesh shows real quick. And so set your heart's aperture to delight in Christ. The second is a hard one, but clean your lens. I'm going off this photo stuff. man. I got to. I got a degree in it. But as you go to take an approach on your day and you're looking through your eyes, clean your lens. Remove those specks. That get in the way because if you've ever tried to take a photo with a camera and there's a speck on the lens that camera can't focus on anything it sees that speck or it focuses and all the pictures have that little speck in them yeah so remove those specks go to Christ on your knees and say God remove this distraction from me I'm frustrated today let me rest in you I'm irritated let me let go and show grace I'm shameful. Let me find my boldness in you. The follow-up challenge of that is to make sure you clean your lens before you clean your brothers or sisters. That's biblical. Y'all know the story. Remove the speck in your eye before you address the log in your brothers. It's easy to clean the lens of those around us. It really is because we can see it a little bit clearer than our own hearts sometimes. But start with yours. And then the last little application is to identify the distractions of your focus. Sometimes whenever you're lining up a picture, your camera will get excited and it'll pick like the closest thing to it, but you really want it to take a picture of that thing back there. You have to tell your focus where to go. Okay, that's, in photography that's called a viewfinder. You have to set that viewfinder to select the right thing in order for that picture to come out clear. In our hearts, we have to set our focus on Jesus. Because in the way of Jesus, there's going to be your work schedule. There's going to be your wife or your husband, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your brother, sister, mother, all of them. There's going to be your grocery list. If you're me, isn't that right, Maddie. That's today. I've got to go to the grocery store. But if I'm not focusing past all that on Jesus, there's a lot of flesh that's going to show in there. But if I focus on him, the power that will come in those other things is remarkable because God wants to use us to glorify him. It's our purpose to be his vessels. And so set your heart's aperture, clean your lens, and identify your focus distractions. Um, I hope that that's encouraging to you guys. I know it sounds, sometimes I get up here and I'm like, I feel like I just came down on everybody and myself and told us to get it right we won't rest in god's grace continue to be in his word and to be with each other there's so much joy that comes with spending time in god's word together we're all learning i'm not up here because i figured it out trust me i got a lot of people in this room that can testify to that but praise be to god that we get together and we learn from each other so let me pray for us and we'll be done for the day Um, for those of you that are coming to the children's church training we're going to meet right after service it'll be real quick Um, and we'll get rocking let me pray dear lord thank you so much for your, your grace for your love for bringing clarity to our hearts whenever we're blurred whenever we can't figure out what our purpose is thank you for reminding us of our identity in you um, God, we, we lay down our personal desires, we lay down our agendas, we come to you today seeking that you would be glorified in our lives and that you would help us to understand what it means to follow you. Um, so God, let us start with our own hearts and let us all put our focus on you this week. We love you, Lord, and we lift this time up to you. In your name we pray, amen. Amen.